Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so excited to be with you today, and we have a special treat that you are going to love. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking so much about Tiffany's brand new book that releases in the first week of February, She Dreams. And today, what we're actually going to do is have Tiffany give you, that's right, I said give you for free her first chapter. She's gonna read that to you, and we're gonna talk about it and just converse about the things that stand out to us, and we could not be more excited to bless you with this gift, dear listener. We love you and we treasure you and are so thankful to be on this journey with you. All right, well, why though, listeners, I am seriously, just as Ashley said, so excited to share chapter one of my new book with you. It has been a labor of love, and it is for you, the girl who feels like she ain't got enough gas in the tank to see that dream come true, feels like Mm. you just, you know, you didn't finish school, you're the wrong color, you don't have access to resources. Whatever the case may be, you don't feel like you are in a season or space to dream. And the truth is, there are times when we need to put our dreams on the shelf because life has thrown us something that we have got to deal with, but it's our birthright to dream. And those dreams that you had in high school, not the ones about making out with the quarterback under the bleachers or (laughs) doing other things with him, but (laughs) the real ones, the God-given, God-sized dreams, those dreams are what we're here to talk about today. So without further ado, I'm going to read to you chapter one of She Dreams, Live the Life You Were Created For. Here we go. Woohoo! Do you ever look at someone who has achieved something great and think, She was born to do that. Look at Deborah in the book of Judges, Queen Esther, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Joan of Arc, Eleanor Roosevelt, Harriet Tubman, Frida Kahlo, Mother Teresa, Margaret Thatcher, Serena Williams, or Joanna Gaines. And we are in awe of who each woman is, what she has overcome, and what she has achieved. We think to ourselves, Saneb, she is killing it. She is one wise and powerful woman. As we think about women who have defied the odds and pursued their dreams, we can sometimes assume, perhaps subconsciously, that those marvelous women possess some sort of special unicorn powers or superpower gifts that you and I would never have access to. The truth is, the women that you and I admire, both past and present, have a beating heart just like ours. Each one of them has or has had insecurities, fears, and setbacks just like you and me. The one thing we know for sure of each woman that we look up to is this. She dreams. She dreams impossible dreams. She fights to see them come to pass, and she doesn't take no for an answer when it comes to the fulfillment of those dreams. She believes she was created to dream, and dear friend, so are you and I. No matter who you are or where you've come from, no matter how many Benjamins you have in your bank account or mothballs you have in your pockets, no matter how bold you are, how shy, no matter how perfect your pedigree or how sketchy your past, I'm sure I can get an amen on that one. You, lovely woman, were born for a lifetime of beauty and hope. Within you are unlimited dreams to pursue as you live your wild life. 
You are here on purpose for a purpose. No matter the details surrounding the story of your birth or beginnings, you can trust me on this one. You were born to dream of a better, sweeter, fairer existence for you and the world around you. Other folks may say you were a screw-up. Your parents might think you were crazy as a box of rocks, a common expression in my home thanks to the popular children's movie, The Star. Or you might believe the nonsense that you are just here to live your ordinary life, quiet, inconsequential, never making waves, never pushing back, never raising a ruckus, never chasing after the next best thing. Well, sister, I'm not buying it. I've read a book on it, and from Genesis to Revelation, I've discovered that you and I were built to dream about the impossible, the out of reach, the beautiful, the lovely, the someday, the not yet. We were created to dream about things that matter, things that spark joy, to find ways to serve others, ways that push us to our limits, ways that help us face our insecurities and hangups, all of it. Hear me now. The dream giver, the one who built us, created us, handcrafted us, chose to entrust us with gifts, skills, and abilities that are unique to each of us. Even when those precious skills and gifts of yours aren't activated in a particular season of life, it doesn't mean they aren't yours. It doesn't mean the one who gave them to you has taken them away. It doesn't mean they are worthless and can never be used for any good work. Our God is so very good to us. He is a giver of good gifts, and when he gives you a gift, he knows the power and magnitude the gift has. We, his beloved and cherished daughters, must unwrap each gift and use it. How and when we use our gifts is important, but first and foremost, we must recognize that we were created to dream. You do you. So many of us are built for far more than we may be doing in this season, and that is okay. What is not okay is denying our longing to do more at some point in our lives. I recently listened to a podcast about a woman who experienced restlessness when her kids were little. She thought her days were lovely overall and she adored her children and being a mother, but she felt that something was missing. I felt that rub as well and I know I'm not alone. I've talked to countless women with and without children, single and married, who long to do something bigger despite whatever busy or barren season they currently find themselves in. I've also talked to women whose lives seem big by the world standards, yet feel they are missing out on the truly important everyday experiences of life and home. Wherever you find yourself, you may find that your day-to-day reality no longer excites you in the way it used to, and you know deep in your heart that you are ready for something different, some kind of change that will renew and energize you. The woman on the podcast discovered she was made to create and now finds deep satisfaction in her work as a calligrapher. I teared up as she shared about her business that has expanded over the years. The truth is that every woman is stronger than she thinks she is and built for rewarding work, whether that work is inside or outside the home. I have found this to be true in my own life. Once upon a time, when I was up all hours of the night with a colicky eight-year-old, I launched a little blog. I called it Learn How to Mom because my husband always joked that I was literally learning how to mom with our newly adopted three-year-old from Uganda and one squishy little baby fresh from my womb who left me with such a sea of stretch marks on my belly that I'm tempted not to even consider anything but an Arctic parka when I go swimming in public. I wrote on and on about life as a mama, giving suggestions for how to not lose your sanity when your baby has a blowout in one of those fancy pants baby cares at the grocery store when you know that folks already think you need to take a shower. I've always wanted to write poignant pieces that would inspire others to live the life God had designed for them, and I decided it was time. 
Why that led me to talk about life with little ones was beyond me, but that was my season. And I thought to myself, if the Lord was good enough to show me himself in that crazy but wonderful season of my life, then I might as well share his encouragement with others. I decided that even if my audience turned out to be just two of my girlfriends, I would write. I wrote every chance I could in my season of zero to little sleep, often choosing to write instead of showering or doing dishes. Don't judge me. I lovingly and often frantically typed my tale of how I was holding on to God's goodness and grace through all of the celebrations and challenges, especially the discouraging times. I'd lie awake in bed with a laptop computer atop my blankets, hammering away on the keys as I wrote about experiences and emotions that I believe needed to be shared. All day long, I would scribble ideas on envelopes that most likely held a bill I needed to pay or on a crumpled paper towel left beside the sink. Clearly, I'm, I'm, I'm a dirty girl. That's all I got from that. That's not in the book. That's just for you listeners. <laughs> I am the first to admit these blogs were, well, as the cool kids say, basic. Again, I was operating on very little sleep and most certainly was clocking my 10,000 hours. But friend, I did not lack conviction. In fact, I was full of it. Conviction and passion kept me focused. This is when I discovered my undying love for coffee. Pure coincidence, of course. So after birthing my own baby, I also birthed the blog and a full-time job. And my husband and I had recently bought a new house that needed all sorts of renovating. It was not the time to be dreaming about new ventures, but I knew I would be like a dying star if I didn't pursue them. You see, I deeply believe each of our souls is built for more than we can possibly imagine. And pursuing our God-given dreams, however big or small they may seem, opens us up to a bright and shining life of meaning and purpose. I know I'm a better person, which for me includes being a better wife and mama when I first connect with the Lord and then do what I believe I was uniquely created to do. The same concept applies to you. When you are killing it at whatever it is you slay, there is a chance you feel most like yourself. The you that you know deep down in your bones God made you to be. I hope you are hearing me, dear one. May you never let your dreams, however possible or impossible they may seem, pass you by without a dose of hustle, a big old heart, and a whole lot of humility. Now, I do not mean to confuse contentment in Christ with pursuing your dreams. Rather, as we abide in Christ, he stirs us to act, dream, create, and do. The dream giver calls us leads us, speaks to us, restores us, heals us, fulfills us, and entrusts us with dreams. My kid's favorite book, The Plans I Have for You, says it like this. You are my hands and my feet there on earth. I've given you a purpose. It's been there since birth. So if you are a painter, bust out the brushes. If you are a writer, sharpen that pencil or get out that computer. If you're a runner, grab those nifty running shoes. If you're a singer, then sing, girl. If you're a helper, start helping. If you're a giver, give generously. If you are a peacemaker, build bridges toward peace. Do what makes you uniquely you. You do you, friend. No one else can. You'll never regret doing what you love, unless it's illegal or harmful. That'd be bad. Go ahead and regret that. Or better yet, don't do it. But if something sparks joy in you and blesses others, then go ahead and get at it. Because you, my darling, were created to pursue the dreams of your heart. Your past won't break you. Many of us feel our past mistakes disqualify us from opportunities, promotions, and second chances. But I propose that no matter who you are or what you've experienced, the screams of failure, grief, and defeat tucked in your mind will not break you and might be the making of you. Proving to be quite handy as you dream impossible dreams. I found this to be true in my own life. In 1986, I was abandoned at birth. 
and two days old without a mother to nurse me or a father to rock me to sleep, I was left in a home for orphan children and became one of 25 million orphans in India. Trust me on this one. Abandoned in your most vulnerable moment will make you question if you are valuable, let alone valuable enough to do something great. In 1994, a little girl in my third grade class told me we couldn't be friends because my skin was dirty and brown. It was the first time I ever wept over the color of my skin. It felt wrong to simply be me. I was judged by the color of my skin and not the content of my character. It wasn't the last time someone would remind me I was different and didn't belong, but it was the first. And that first experience of prejudice made me question if I fit in this world. In 2007, I moved to Manchester, England to pursue a relationship with a tall English gentleman I met at a summer wedding and with whom I fell in love. I never dreamed I would one day grow up and move 6,000 miles from home to be with the man of my dreams. He was everything I hoped for. After I quit my job and booked a one-way ticket to England, you can imagine my surprise when Prince Charming informed me three days after making the move, Tiffany, I have no desire for you. Mic drop. I left his house and didn't know whether to go left or right to get back to my place. Through tears, I wandered the streets of Manchester, England, looking for my way back home so I could weep in private. From that experience, I wondered if I was capable of making any good choices for myself. And actually, I did make a good choice. And I married my husband, Derek, in 2009. Then, in 2013, after a two-year adoption process, we traveled to meet traveled to Uganda to meet our son, Lucius, who was 12 months old at the time, born to another woman, but birthed in my heart. His mother hemorrhaged to death after giving birth to him, and he was placed in a children's home at three days old. For three months, I held him, cuddled him, and let his little laugh seep into every corner of my heart. A week before our cart date, in which I would become his legal guardian, we were informed that due to unforeseen circumstances, we would no longer be able to adopt him. With a nursery ready at home and his name tattooed on my heart, I kissed his forehead and said goodbye, knowing I would never see him again. Each of these experiences has deeply affected my outlook on life and love. They are my series of unfortunate events. My past experiences, stacked on top of one another, add up to some heartache, aching defeat. I'd be lying if I didn't admit they affected how I viewed myself. At times, I felt that my past experiences would prohibit my opportunity to be loved lead others, have a family, or see my dreams come true. Our hard moments and pain become a filter we see through, causing our feelings of doubt, shame, and loss to shape our view of the world and everyone in it. We do our best to hush the screams of failure, defeat, or grief, but perhaps within those experiences is our greatest asset, attention to be managed, not ignored. Our pain, if we lean into it, will teach us endurance. We'll discover that we are stronger than we think we are and that what God has for us will not pass us. Did you hear me? What God has for us will not pass us because of our past. Our messy moments aren't the defining line of our story. They are merely twists in the narrative. You and I must never believe the lie that the dark days will dampen the bright ones to come. The New Yorker published an article on what it means to be resilient, and it boils down to this. Frame adversity as a challenge and you become more flexible and able to deal with it. Move on, learn from it, and grow. Focus on it, frame it as a threat, and a potentially traumatic event becomes an enduring problem. You become more inflexible and more likely to be negatively affected. You see, how we perceive our past difficulties matters. 
The honest to goodness truth is that each of us seeks a new ending to the broken storyline of our lives. We either look for others to fix our broken pieces or we look to our accomplishments or work to make us feel better, but none will satisfy. No external force will fix our inner brokenness. Only Jesus, by his grace and goodness, can tenderly sustain us and heal us. The making of you. As our good companion sustains us and begins the process of healing, we can allow our pain to be a teacher, making us into the women we were meant to be. I learned this through each of the painful experiences I shared. Working through my abandonment issues provided an intimate communion with my own frailty. And my hunger for love and acceptance was and continues to be satisfied in Jesus. Eight years ago, I was able to visit the orphanage where I was left and found that no answers to any of my burning questions would ever fix me. Knowing that Jesus loves me would be what calmed my questioning heart, not facts. As Christ healed my abandoned heart, my understanding of loss grew within me compassion for the left behind and the underserved. I would not trade that for the world. It has undoubtedly shaped the way I love people. The Lord really decided to show off a year ago when the woman who ran the orphanage and took me in at two days old tracked me down. She was in the States visiting family and found me through mutual friends. I had no idea we shared. I met her and heard how she felt deeply compelled to care for a baby. And then her burning desire was met when a newborn was placed in her arms. She loved me as her own. After hearing that story, I discovered that peace can be applied retroactively. Experiences you and I had 10, 20, or even 40 years ago can be rewritten as we allow hope to rise from our broken memories. Working through my ongoing experience of discrimination has taught me to never let someone else define my worth, no matter how powerful they may appear. No one has the power to define me or you without our consent. It doesn't matter who they are, the color of their skin, or the wealth and privilege they lord over us. Discrimination has deep roots of fear, and the only thing that can put fear in its place is love. 1 John 4.18 tells us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Someone may do their best to rob us of opportunity or convince us that we're disqualified because of our skin or gender or age or any other defining characteristic, but they can never define the value of our souls. The giver of love settled that score long ago. Working through my experience with Prince Charming taught me that I'm enough. Although my childhood feelings of abandonment and rejection were amplified as Prince Charming called it quits, I discovered no one could fulfill me but the king. The Englishman wasn't going to fix what was broken, whether he stayed with me or left me. As I healed from my heartache, I didn't expect a prospective suitor to throw me out with the garbage or be my king. I would not allow a man to have that kind of power over me. I approached potential relationships with a heart to share my life with someone who loved Christ and who would care for me. At the time of this writing, I've been married to Derek for nearly 10 years. I am so very grateful for Prince Charming's unfortunate exit from my life because of the lessons I learned. Lessons accessible only through the pain of heartbreak. While we may prefer to avoid pain and loss, it can make way for beauty and redemption we never thought possible. Working through losing Lucius taught me that love, not DNA, makes a family and that is 
always worth it to fight to place the lonely in families. Well, my husband and I did not come home with Lucius. We did come home with Jericho, who was two and a half years old when he joined our little family. In the Old Testament, Jericho was the first city God promised to his chosen people. As our first child, we thought it fitting to name him after the gift God gave to his people. Both Jericho and I were left in vulnerable moments, but together we make a family. Love is a powerful force that squelches the flames of shame and rejection and makes room for belonging and significance. Love makes a way for truth and vision over lies and confusion. Four years ago, when I had my biological son, one of my own flesh and blood, I met the first person I've ever shared DNA with. He has my eyes and my natural hair. I'm Indian and there are literally a billion of us, but this Indian lives in my home and calls me mama. My past experiences of abandonment gave me a hunger for a healthy family. I share all of this to say that my past failures and experiences gave me opportunities for personal growth I would not have had otherwise. And I've had the honor to share what I've learned about the companionship and redemptive ways of Jesus with others through my ministry of writing and speaking. My painful experiences truly have been the making of me, not the breaking of me. The human experience is not easy, yet deep in our pain, there are lessons to be learned and strength to be gained. We must reassess the limitations and disqualifications we've come to accept in our lives if we are to be women who dream God-sized dreams. Our adversity may quite possibly be the source of our greatest assets, our crown jewels, if you will. Adversity shapes us, molds us, and makes us to be the brave, resilient, beautiful souls we were intended to be. Bigger than us. Sometimes the dreams of God become our own when we least expect it. We may be discontent or living a life we love, and all the while, the Lord is preparing our hearts for even greater things than we can imagine. We may not sense it, but He is setting the stage for something glorious, wondrous, and perhaps even downright terrifying. Moses, a hero of the Old Testament, knew a thing or two about God-sized dreams. Like us, he was chosen for great and mighty plans before he was even born. The Lord placed him in Egypt on purpose for a purpose. Moses would foreshadow the coming king who would redeem us all. When he was growing up, I bet Moses had no idea of all God planned. Before we see Moses do extraordinary things in the name of justice and freedom, we see his rocky beginning, the place where all good stories start. We read about those beginnings in Exodus 1 and 2. It is heartbreaking to think of a mama lying her baby in a basket and sending him down a river in hopes he'll be rescued rather than die at the hands of evil, jealous men. Yet, in his power and sovereignty, God not only spared Moses' life, but also had a plan for his life from before he was even born. Like Jeremiah, who was set apart to be a prophet to the nations before his birth, it is evident that God's hand was on Moses' life from day one. Now, when your story, your story, begins in societal turmoil in a time when the haves and the have-nots are clearly defined, a time when the murder of baby boys is the order of the day, a time when discrimination is at an all-time high, your normal might not be healthy or life-giving. Your reality might be harmful to you and those around you, but it is all you know yet your steps are still guided by a divine hand. The Egyptians who enslaved the Hebrew people raised Moses, who was chosen by God. As a royal, he had the riches of earth, but God planned for him to live a life not of ease and riches, but of sacrifice. God's plans and dream for Moses, tucked in that baby in a basket, 
would change everything, not only for him, but also for God's people of his day and generations to come. I wonder if Moses had a clear sense that God had a mighty grip on his life, or perhaps like us, he found himself swept into a story bigger than himself, authored by God for his good and not his demise. Perhaps he realized over time that God's miraculous ways would supersede any human plans or way of life he knew. But first, he was just an innocent baby found in a basket on the riverbank. You and I may not fully understand that all God has been working in and through us since our birth, but make no mistake, he is working. God has plans for us that will not be stopped. Why? Because he made you on purpose for a beautiful purpose. That, my friends, is chapter one, just a little snippet of She Dreams, and it is such a joy to be able to share just a little teasy tease tease with all of you, our beloved Why Though listeners. Ashley, how you feeling after chapter one? Oh well, first of all, I have to say that you are the best audiobook reader on the planet. Is there, <laughs> before we like unpack a few things together, is there a way, like, Will there be an audiobook that people can get? I know we oh, can go pre-order it, which everyone should do right now. We have already pre-ordered many copies for our household. But is there an audio version that will be available? Absolutely. I recorded my audiobook in 17-degree oh, so weather in Chicago a couple oh, weeks ago. Girl, worth it. it was colder than, I mean, girl, I can't. I just can't. Thank you for like, enduring for us, though. Chicago, this is great. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's 17 degrees. And I'm wearing seven <laughs> layers, and it's not enough. Um, no, it was so fun. I have to just say something so funny about narrating an audiobook. You walk in, and you're in this tiny little studio, soundproof. There's, like, multiple doors just to even get into it. And they say, okay, this is about a 10- to 14-hour process. And, you know, your voice is going to get drier than you've ever imagined. Here's a bunch of throat coat. We got Manuka honey. They set you up for a win, right? <laughs> your girl did it in six hours. I did Whoa, it in six yes. hours. Yes, you did. Yeah, it was so funny. They were like, oh, you're done. Oh, oh. I was like, yeah, but, but I want to go home. You need yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. Cold. It's 17 degrees. The chill is in my bones. The chill is in my bones. And speaking so of bones, was that was actually one of my favorite lines from the book, is when you said um, the you deep down in your bones that you know God made you to be. That was just the most true statement that at the end of the day, we all know deep inside of our hearts, the things we want to pursue, the person that we want to be. And I just thought that was so powerful for you to give permission for people to explore that space and live out that space. Like there is um, this wonderful feeling and it feels like it's deep down in your bones when you are doing the thing you were created to do. Even if it's something simple like organizing or being a friend, like it doesn't have to be some big, massive aha moment, but Mm -hmm. that sense of like deep down in my bones, this is who I am. This is my rhythm. This is my way. And I just really appreciated that. I love how you said it can be anything from you know, I used a, such a simple example in the intro mm-hmm. of a calligrapher, and then I got yes. down to abandonment and right. losing a baby and the hunger and heart for wanting yes. a family. The, it, dreams run the gamut. We, we aren't do. talking just about getting married or having a baby. You could be wanting to sell sketches of celebrities on Etsy. I don't know. Like, right. we all have dreams, right? Like, it is a they thing look also. different. <laughs> oh, girl, you know, I would, if they had a real good one of RBG, you know, I'd pick that crap. Right? Shoot. Also, one other Shoot. thing I wanted to say that I loved so much. Um, I, I really love the lessons at the end. Like, 
to give each of us this sort of hopeful perspective of what our past can be. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you tell the beautiful story, the miraculous story from the orphanage and getting to meet the woman who was your caretaker. Um, And when you said peace can be applied retroactively, I mean, I just wanted to like drop a mic on your behalf. Mm. Because how freaking beautiful. I mean, we all go through so much hell in this life. You know, it, is, it feels like it's unavoidable for almost yeah. every human. I know that's not the, the truest case for every person alive, but for the most part, we go through literal hell. And then to think that on the other side of that, we could look back with hindsight and back with grace and back with more context of the story and see that peace can be applied retroactively. Oh, like that God is not bound by space or time, that he has this wonderful way of redeeming life and redeeming circumstance. I mean, I was just like, oh, this is so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I loved oh. that. <laughs> and I mean it. I mean every word. I think yes. so many of us disqualify ourselves because yes. of our disappointments, yep. because of our pain. And we just yeah. cannot see what God sees and he sees something so beautiful. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to weave the story of Moses into this book and into the She Dreams study was because there's no, there's no greater underdog that comes to my mind left on the riverbank and raised in a culture that wasn't his own and trying to grapple with his true identity as a Hebrew and trying to find out who am I? What am I doing? Like, I just don't feel like I'm fit for this. And constantly God reveals himself as a companion and as a dream giver and as a partner to see all those dreams come to pass. So it really does all play together and work together to see those dreams come to pass. Well, listeners, I'm so thankful you were able to join us for this episode of Why Though. And we love you and we are so, so, so thankful to have you tune in each week. And the biggest way you can support the launch of this book is go on right now, this very minute, onto the show notes and grab your copy of She Dreams. We will have a link right in the show notes. Seriously, I cannot make this easier for you. And you know what would be such a blast? Can, when you get that in the mail or your audiobook version or whatever, wherever you read, um, just post a picture and hashtag she dreams book or why the po- hashtag why the podcast. I want to celebrate with you. And it's so fun to see where you're listening from and find out about you. Cause you know, we're going to look at your feed, find out all about you. So go ahead and post that on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you hang out, whatever platform that may be. We love you. We're here for you. And I pray you listener would dream wild, audacious, make your heart race dreams. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.